Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis 30. We continue, of course, our study of the life of Jacob. That's where we are right now. We've already seen, as you go back, you know, of course, to the book of Genesis, four big events and four key people, you know, the creation, the fall, the flood, and the, the division. That's the four big events. And then the four great people are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And we've already seen Abraham and all of him and Isaac, just a little bit on Isaac, but a couple of chapters. And then now we're into Jacob, and there's a lot on Jacob. And uh, he's been living in Haran with his uncle Laban. And he's been there about 14 years, maybe close to 15 years have passed. He has two wives, Rachel and Leah. He has 12 children, 11 boys and one girl. And as we said, from this strange family situation, God is building the nation of Israel. To see that God is working in his life, blessing and providing for him just as God promised. Because remember, the promise was to Abraham, and Abraham, the promise passed down from Abraham to Isaac. The same promise passed down from Isaac to Jacob. Of course, it would be the land, the seed, and the blessing. All that is, is there. Now, there's a great truth. We realize that we find that, that all that we have comes from God. Everything that we have comes from God. He's the one that blesses. He's the one who provides and blesses for us. And as we look closely at this passage, we see deceit. Throughout the thing, deceit from both Laban and Jacob, how they grind it. They make an agreement with each other, but it's, uh, they're, they, they're, they're tricky. And, and it says here, I, I think one of the slides, I think we got a slide that comes up, says the two deceivers keep on deceiving each other. And that's really what we find there because Jacob's name, name itself means deceiver. Laban has been really good at it from the very beginning. He deceived Jacob so much that he gave him the wrong wife on the night. And, and we've seen that he worked seven years for the wrong woman. And then he had to work another seven years to get the woman that he wanted. I mean, it just ended up, you know, he worked basically worked seven years for somebody he didn't ever want to be with, and that was Leah. And uh, but God continues to bless Jacob because God made the promise to bless Jacob. And this evening we see Jacob plans to leave. He'd like to leave Laban and return home to the promised land, but we see an agreement is made, and he's going to end up staying another six years. So he stays there right around 20 years. Well, let's begin with prayer, and then we'll get into the, the, the passage, the story, and see how things fit. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again, Lord, for just the privilege of being able to come together with fellow believers and study the Bible. And Lord, thanks for the great songs. And then, Lord, when we look at the passage, and we look at the book of Genesis, thank you, Lord, for a great book that you have given us the, the history, the background of, of what happened from creation and the fall and, you know, flood and all of those kind of things. And then, Lord, we've seen how you began, really, your people choosing Abraham from the Ur of the Chaldees and from Abraham to Isaac and now Isaac down to Jacob. And we're seeing that you're forming the nation of Israel as the, the, the sons, the 12 sons are being born and, and they're going to be the 12 tribes of Israel and how all that fits together. Lord, thank you for these great truths. Help us tonight see about these deceptions and these kind of things. And may we learn some things and make application in our lives. Lord, thank you so much for the study tonight. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I've told this story before, but it's true, and I want, to, I want to put it together to talk about deception, lying, honesty. It's been a long time ago. It's been over t- almost 20 years ago, but I went to one of those machines. I, I don't use those cards now where you put in and you get money out. I just don't do that anymore. But I used to do that, and so I remember one time I was going to get $40. So I went up to the machine, and I pressed four, you know, 40 and when it came out, there were, there were four 20s. It was $80. I think money got stuck. So when like a 20 was supposed to come out, it was two 20s. When the next 20 was supposed to come out, so I had $80. So I thought, man, I got $80. And, you know, so what do you do? What do you do when you get $80 and you're supposed to get $40? So the next day, this was happened, I think it was on a Sunday. So the next day I went to the bank and I told them that the machine had given me double amount of money. And the lady was so sweet. She said, thank you for bringing the back. Do you know, she said, we found out the machine gave out double money all day. 
And she said, you're the first person that's ever brought any money back so far. What happens? What do you, what happens? What do you do if you're happening in a store or something and they give you too much change? I was at that, the new Holiday Inn the other day and I always, I always get the same thing. Does that surprise you that I get the same thing? I got the same thing, but when my bill came, the coffee wasn't on there. So I said, you didn't put the coffee on here. And she said, it's on the house today. I went, thank you. But, but see, I could have looked at it and said, they didn't put the coffee on there, right? Could we have done that? Just say, I'll pay the bill. They just forgot to put the coffee on there. Do we tell the truth? A recent bestseller, well, recent, it's, it's about five or six years old, maybe a little longer than that. It's called The Day America Told the Truth. They found that 80% of the people in the survey, 80% of the people in the United States admitted to lying on a daily basis, 80%. I remember this being a good while ago, but one of the radio stations in Tulsa did ask the question, what would you do if you got too much money? Would you give back? Every person they interviewed said they would not give back if they got extra money. One man did say this. He said, it's according to how much. If I got a few dollars extra, I'd give that back. If it was a lot, I would keep it. As believers in Jesus Christ, as children of God, are we honest? How do we deal with each other? This evening we see both Jacob and Laban are dishonest with each other and what they do. They make a deal, but both are not honest in really keeping the deal. I mean, this section is filled with deceit. I mean, just look right here. In chapter, in chapter 27, Jacob deceives Isaac. In chapter 29, Laban deceives Jacob. In chapter 30 and 31, the deceivers keep on deceiving each other. That's what we're seeing as we go going through this part. As we look at this passage, I, I think some things just to think about. One is that God is the one... The one, see how the one fits together like that. God is the one who provides blessing. He is. Everything that we have comes from God. He's the one, even Jacob and, Jacob and Laban in deceit, it is God who gives the blessing. The second thing, as far as, the second thing is just relating to one another. We're going to talk about honesty and vengeance and those kind of things. We don't get people back. God deals with it. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The third thing is realize that God does keep his promises. He does. He is a God who keeps his promises. He is the one who blesses us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Everything that he says comes true. So look at the passage tonight. We see what I call Jacob and Laban's deal. Beginning at verse 25 through 36. Jacob wants to leave. He gives the reasons for leave, but then he gives that there's a plan to stay. And then we see the deceptions, both Jacob and Laban. And, it, you know, uh, some of it's a little hard to follow. It's even hard to follow, literally, it's hard to follow in the Hebrew. It's a little bit hard to follow. So I'll tell you, the best that I can see is happening when we get over to what goes on there, and we'll see if we can figure out what is going on. Well, let's begin. Jacob has been here for a while. It's, it's over 14 years. It's really been unfair because Laban has taken advantage of him. We're going to find out later on that in the next chapter that Jacob says that Laban has changed his wages ten times. He says it twice. So... Laban would probably say, do this and do this. No, no, do this and do this. I mean, that's just sort of the way it's been. It's been unfair. Laban has taken advantage of him. He thinks it's time to leave and to go back to the promised land. And because he thinks of all this work that he's done, but he has nothing for his own family. Everything has been for Laban. So look at verse 25. Now, it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Now, you remember that Jacob had married. He wanted to marry Rachel, but he ended up marrying Leah. Then he got Rachel, and, and now 14 years have passed, and, and they're having kids, and, and, and they're having kids through the, the two women. They're having kids through the two handmaids. They've got... Uh, you know, 11 boys, one girl. Uh, 
Rachel was barren for a long time and finally had a son. She named him Joseph, which means may the Lord give me another. She was saying, he's giving me one son, I want another son. It says, now about the time when it came about that Rachel had born Joseph, that's about 14 years there, that Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. I want to go back. Realize, I think he realizes, listen, I've been here all this time. i got a pretty big family now. But I'm not providing anything for my family and for my future because everything I'm doing, I'm doing for who? For Laban. So he's been working for Laban, and all this hard work has benefited Laban, but really nothing for his family. So he tells Laban, let me go back to my own place, into my own country. Now remember that God has already given to him the promised land and the blessings. The same thing he promised Abraham has been promised from Abraham to Isaac and from Isaac to Jacob. Now, why did he come? Remember the reason that he came? To be safety from his brother Esau. Remember, Esau wanted to kill him, and so he was going to just be gone for a short time till Esau kind of worked through all this, and then he was going to come back. Well, it's been already 14 years, and we're going to find it's 20 before he comes back. And the second thing was to go and to find a wife. Well, he found a wife, didn't he? He found two wives. He found two handmaidens. So we've seen all of this. He says, it's time to depart and go back to the land that God's given me. Look at verse 26. He says, Give me my wives, my children, from whom I served you. Let me depart, for you yourself know my servants which I have rendered you. He said, Let me go back. Let me take my wife and my children because I've served you. I've worked 14 years. In fact, the truth is, after the 14th year, those, both of those women belong to him. Because you remember the first time he was to work seven years to get Rachel. He worked seven years and ended up getting Leah. And he was upset, and the guy said, no, 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 Jake, uh, Laban said, if you just give her, give her her week, and then what you can do is I'll give you Rachel, but then you've got to work seven more years to, to get the heat keeper. So he's worked 14 years to have these two women. That's basically what's happened. So he says, give me my wives and my children for whom I've served you. Let me depart for yourself. No, you know my service, which I've rendered to you. You know how hard I've worked. But notice this. But Laban said to him, if now, if it pleases you, stay with me. We'll stop for a second before we finish the verse. Why does Laban want him to stay? Is it because he loves Jacob? Because he says, no, Jacob, you're my family. I don't want to know. Notice what he goes on to say. If it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He wants him to stay because he's blessed because of Jacob. Well, it's true. What was the, the original thing back in Genesis 12, 1, 2, and 3? I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. And in a sense, because he's given him his children, he's getting blessed because he's around Jacob. Because everything Jacob does turns out to be what? Good. Not because Jacob is a great man. Jacob is a what? Deceiver. But because of the promises that God has made. And so here we see, he says, listen, I've divined, which means I've discovered, I've, I've discovered somehow uh, that God's, God's let him know. But I think what he's realized is, you know, God is blessing you, and as he's blessing you, he's blessing me. So I don't want you to leave because this is working out real good for me. Right? And this goes back to the covenant. Because God says, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And Jacob, Jacob's going to be blessed, and others will get blessed because of him. And the same thing happened to us because of what happened from, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob and on down. All of us, all the nations of the world are blessed because the Messiah came through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. All that happens. And, and we must also realize that every blessing that we have comes from who? comes from God. Everything. Laban wants him to stay. And watch what he says. 
He continued, name me your wages, I will give it. He said, you just name it, you got it. Now let me ask you a question. If you've been there for 14 years, and Laban looked at you and said, you name it, you got it, what would you say? You have never kept your word about anything you promised. You'd be said, I worked seven years, I'll get Rachel. I didn't get Rachel. Then now you said, okay, if you really want Rachel, you've got to work another seven years. Because actually you worked seven years for, for Leah. And you said, I don't even want Leah. He said, well, I, you know, sorry. And as we're going to see later on that he says, you changed my wages ten times. So if he said to you, hey, whatever you want, you'll get, what would you say? I don't trust you. You never have done that. So watch. Name it. Name your wage and I will give it. Verse 29. Because see, it's to Laban's advantage for him to stay because he gets blessed because of Jacob. So he goes on to say, but he said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came and it increased to a multitude and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Listen, notice, he's blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, listen, listen. The truth is, you know that when I serve you and how, how little cattle you had when, uh, how your cattle have kept, for when I came, you didn't have hardly anything. And now you have a lot. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. Anything I did, because I'm, he's working for Laban. And anything he does, Laban gets a break out of it. And so he said, but now, when shall I provide for my own household also? Now that's a legitimate question. He's worked for Laban for 14 years, and he says, i got 11 sons and a daughter. How, when am I going to start taking care of them? Because everything I'm doing is, getting, is for your advantage. And pretty powerful. Now, I like that when he says, wherever I have turned, uh, the Lord has blessed you. The truth is this, that the Lord blesses us always. That no matter what happens, God is the one who gives the blessing. And we're going to see that both Laban and Jacob realize that the blessing in this whole thing and all this stuff comes from God. It doesn't come from them. God is the one that does it. That's how we are to recognize it, that God is the one who provides. Well, notice. Look at verse 31. So he said, what shall I give you? So he's back to the basic question again. So what do you want to stay here? And Jacob said, now watch this, because it's like a change. Jacob had already said, I want to leave. And he said, whatever, you, you know, what's your wages? And he said, nah, you know, everything I touch just is good for you. And so he said, okay, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing for me, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Now, you might say, isn't this a little bit strange? He said, you shall not give me anything. Now, does this remind you of anything? I want you to understand that Jacob wanted it known that his riches and wealth came from who? God, not Laban. He doesn't want Laban to give him anything so that then Laban could say, the reason Jacob is rich is because I gave it to him. You remember when Abraham came back from the battle and the king of Sodom came to him and said, you can have all of this stuff? And Abraham said, I'm not touching one thing from you. I don't want anybody to think that you made me wealthy. God is the one that always... Abraham said, God is the one that gives me what I have. Same thing with Isaac. Now, same thing with Jacob. Jacob is basically saying, I don't want it to be thought that my riches came from Laban. 
He says, my riches come from God. God is the one that blesses. But notice what he says. You shall not give me anything if you will do this one thing for me. I will again pastor and keep your flock. Now, what in the one thing does he want him to do? And and it's pretty powerful. Now, one thing, remember, that everything we have comes to us from God. It is his grace. It is not by our great ability. The job you have, the life, your personalities, the way things work, everything, God is the one that blesses. Now, watch what he comes up with. This is his plan. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. Such shall be my wages. Now, here's the best. The best we can understand is what he says, and it is this. I'll take the rare ones, and as they reproduce, I'll get only these. He's basically saying, listen, and the best we can understand is most everything were white, white goats, white sheep. He says, you know, there's a few of them over there, kind of the rare ones that you don't get very many of. There's some speckled ones, some spotted ones. There's some black ones over there. Here's what let's do. Let me go through and let me get those out, those few rare ones. I'll keep all the rare ones. You keep all the regular ones. As all this mates and happens, I'll get to keep the rare ones. That'll be mine. You keep, keep to keep all the regular ones. Now, it, humanly speaking, who's going to get the better end of the deal? Laban, there's just going to be tons of the regular ones. There's going to be a few of the rare ones. That's what it looks like he's saying. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing from there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. Such shall be my wages. Let me just go through and I'll just get the rare ones. I'll just get the rare ones. You know what he knows? What does he think is going to happen if he just gets the rare ones? God's going to what? Bless him, and there's going to be all these spotted sheep and all his, you know, that's what he thinks is going to happen. Now, Laban is going, <laughs> you're a dummy. That, you're right. You're going to get nothing. You're going to get just a few because that's the spotted ones and all. There's not very many of those. Look at all the white ones. Yeah, these are mine. These can be yours. Now, so far, it sounds like it's going to work. I mean, it sounds like they're going to work this deal out. But notice verse 33. He says, So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. For everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be considered stolen. He says, In the future, once we get this going, I'm only going to have the rare ones. If you were to come up to mine and you find a white one, you could say, Hey, hey, that's mine. You stole it. Because I'm only supposed to have the spotted ones and the striped ones, and sort of the rare ones. So it looks like it's okay. So what does Laban say about this? 34. Laban said, good. Let it be according to your word. Now tell me what you think is supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen, we think, is that Jacob is going to get, right now, the spotted and speckled and black sheep and goats, and he gets to keep them over here separate. All the rest go to Laban. Isn't that what we think? That's what I thought. But look what Laban does. Look what Laban does. Verse 35. So he, that he is not Jacob. That he is Laban. So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats. Everyone with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep and gave them into the care of his sons. And we'll see in the next verse puts it together. So before they then split it up, what did what did Laban do? He went through and got every one of these speckled and spotted ones out of his and gave them to his own boys and said, here, you take these rare ones and get them out. And so now, what does Laban have left? Nothing but what? White. 
What is Jacob going to be able to get from this whole deal? Nothing. And who did, who did Laban give him to? His sons. Notice the next verse. Watch the next verse. He put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. See, a three-day distance was enough that these, they wouldn't get mixed up at all. And so all the speckled and spotted sheep that Jacob was supposed to get, Laban went and got them out and gave them to his sons. And said, you'll get on down, get on away, get on away, get three days journey away so none of this can get mixed up. And so technically, what is Jacob going to start with? Nothing. And you could look at Laban, he could look at Laban and say, good deal Laban, thank you again. You have worked this out just like you always do. I worked seven years for Rachel, I woke up, it was Leah. And then I had to work seven more years. And here I am and you say, I get all the speckled and spotted ones. And so I look to go get them and guess what? There aren't any there. He could say, what, what, what exactly happened to those that we were talking about? Well, you see, the deceivers are deceiving. They're really, really good. And so verse 35 again, he removed the striped and the spotted goats and the speckled and spotted sheep, female sheep, and every one of them of white and all the black among the sheep and gave them to the care of his sons. And he put the distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob. And Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now, You'd say, well, poor old Jacob, he doesn't have anything to do. But Jacob's got a plan of his own. Because Jacob's the deceiver. And he thinks, okay, okay, you're going to rip me off? I'm going to rip you off. You're going to think you're going to take advantage of me? I'm going to take advantage of you. I'm going to figure out a way to take care of this thing. Because see, you're not out here with me. I'm taking care of your sheep. You know? So I'm going to do this. Many people would say, gosh, it's going to be pretty unique to have all the white sheep all of a sudden produce some multicolored offspring. But Jacob is now overseeing Laban's flock. And notice that everything born spotted, he'll get to put in his own flock. If it's plain, they'll be considered stolen. So as, as a sheep is born spotted, he gets to take it and he gets to keep it for himself. If he were to take one of the white ones, he'd considered stolen. So he starts with nothing. So he's got a plan. Now, Jacob, I think when we look at this, we're going to see from the human end of it, Jacob fails to trust God. He really does two things. He wants to trick Laban, and he wants to get Laban back. Does that sound pretty natural? If somebody had tricked you about the wife for seven years, and then they tricked you on this, and when it's all said and done, we'll see it next week, when he says, you've changed my wages ten times, wouldn't you get to the point, humanly speaking, that you'd say, this guy is... Jacob would say this, he's just like me. He's a trickster. Uh, you know, he's tricking me. He's beating me at my own game. Every time I turn around, he tricks me. So I think there's deceit here. He wants to trick Laban and vengeance. He wants to get him back. But, you know, there. Uh, let's think about these two responses for just a minute. Number one is we don't need to deceive others to get what we want. You don't have to do it. You don't have to trick people. You don't have to deceive people. It is God who is blesses. It is God who is in control. We have to trust him. Do right and let God decide who gets it. You know, sometimes people say, if I don't do this, I won't get the You know, this guy may get the job ahead of me, so I've got to do whatever it takes to get the job. You just have to trust God. Do what you're supposed to do. We don't need to deceive and trick our way to the top, so to speak, or, or anyway. Second thing I think is true is we don't need to get people back who mistreats us. We don't have to get people back. Uh, my Sunday school class, we've been dealing with the whole idea of forgiveness. And one of the deals is that when people hurt us or wrong us, there is a, a tendency, there's a, a part of us that says, if you're going to do that to me, I'm getting you back. 
But we even saw this morning in Sunday school that vengeance belongs belongs to the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, basically says, never return evil with evil, but return evil with good. Leave vengeance to the Lord. Leave, you know, basically says, don't do that to anybody else. Let God deal with it. And the truth is this, people don't get away with doing wrong. God always deals with those things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. God is the one that deals with that. Whatever pe- when people do wrong, it comes back on them. That's what we're seeing basically in Jacob's life and Laban's life. Has Jacob tricked people all his life? He has. What's happening to him while he's with Laban? He's getting tricked. Now, has Laban tricked people? What's going to be happening to Laban through this whole thing? He's going to be, you've got two guys tricking each other all the time. They're basically getting what they deserve from each other. Let's see what happens. Look what Jacob does. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white stripes in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink and they mated when they came to drink. Now he did something that that sort of what people believed at that time. Sometimes people believe that, that if if two animals were mating and there was something like spotted or striped there, then their offspring might be spotted and striped. So what he's done is he's gone and got some, tr- from some branches and some limbs of some darker trees and he's fixed them where that they're striped and cut and they're all different things and he puts them in the troughs where they come to drink. And what he thinks is as these animals come to drink and as they mate in front of these things that are striped and spotted, and that their offspring will be that. That's what they think. In fact, some people thought that. Now, let's ask the question. Is, is that going to produce animals that are spotted and striped? We'd say, I, I don't think so. But it works. Why does it work? Who, who's giving the producing? Who's making this happen? God is. Now, as far as Jacob is concerned, does Jacob think God is doing this? Jacob thinks he's doing it. He's, he's got this thing tricked out. So notice what he does. Verse 38, he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs, where the flock came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. So he believes this time that, that if, if somehow an animal saw this, you know, while they're mating, then if they saw these stripes, they'll produce striped animals. Verse 40. So, uh, verse, uh, verse 39. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks bought, brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Okay, it's worked. Jacob could say, <laughs> see, it worked. I knew what I was doing. Who did it? God did it. I mean, they've both admitted that who is doing all the blessing here? It's God. It's, it's not Jacob's tricks. He thinks, I've tricked Laban. I put these striped stuff up. He doesn't even know what's happening. All the sheep come out there. All these white sheep are mating in front of this. And what do they produce? Spotted sheep. Who gets to keep the spotted sheep? He does. He's, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. And so suddenly he's beginning to get a flock of sheep. Now he started with what? Nothing. Because Jacob tricked him by taking all of them away. But now he's getting them. And so watch again. It says, So the flocks mated by the rods and the flocks, and they brought forth stripes speckled and spotted. 
Now watch what it says. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped, and all the black in the flocks of Laban, and he put his own herd apart, and he did not put them with Laban's flock. So he kept his spotted ones separate, just what he was supposed to do. He couldn't have any of Laban's with his, but every time Laban's are producing, he's putting them in front of that stuff, and what are they producing? Spotted and striped. And so every time one of those comes out, he says, I get to keep that one. If Laban came out of there, he'd go, what in the world is going on? That's not supposed to be happening. How can that happen? How can these white sheep come up with this? How is this happening? <coughs> so, Jacob, verse 40 again, Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the stripes and all the black in the flock of Laban, and he put his own herd apart, and he did not put them with Laban's flock. Now watch what else he does. This is where we see his deceitfulness even more. Moreover, when the stronger of the flock were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flock in the gutter so they might mate by the rods. What's the plan? He sees the strong ones mating. He puts them in front of the striped stuff. So what are they going to produce? Strong, spotted sheep, right? And so all the strong ones, he said, these are the big ones. These are the strong ones. Here, mate right here. (laughs) And then when the sheep come out, he goes, that's mine. That's a spotted one. That's another one. That's another one. That's another one. But watch what the second one is. But when the flock were feeble... He did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Whenever little, little scrawny ones came up, he didn't, he moved the, the striped things away, so they would produce what? Just white sheep. That's his plan, you know, and he thinks he's bringing this about. Who's bringing this about? God's bringing it about. God works all things according to the counsel of His will. If you, if we think we're so smart, that we can trick things and work things around, and we might, it might even look like it that way. God's the one in control. But Laban's sitting there, I mean, Jacob is saying, the strong ones mate, I put this thing, I put the striped stuff out, they produce spotted striped sheep, I get to keep them. The weak ones come, I move that away, so when they produce, it'll be regular sheep, they got the weak ones. So notice how it says it, but when the flock were feeble, they did not put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Think about that. I mean, do you feel sorry for Laban at all? No. Do you feel sorry for Jacob for what's happened to him? Now, you might feel sorry for him for working for seven years for the wrong woman. You might feel sorry for that. Watch. So the man. Who is the man? That's Jacob. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. What happened? They just kept being more and more of these striped and spotted and all these sheep and goats. And his flocks get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You could almost see Laban going, I don't understand this. this, this these are the rare ones. How come the rare ones are more? And how, how come my sheep are getting worse and worse and worse? They're looking pitiful, right? He becomes exceedingly rich. We see from the man's side... The human side, the deceit and manipulation. But we see from God's side is God is blessing Jacob. Why is God blessing Jacob? Because he's so smart? Because he's so deceitful? Why is he blessing him? Because of the promise, the promise of the covenant. Now, it's so easy to get caught up in the ways of the world, isn't it? To say, I, I can work this out. I can make this to my advantage. I can trick this. I can pull this off. And that's what we see happening. We have to deal honestly. It's not to trick or deceive or to revenge or just allow God to work all these things. You know, this ha- this goes on for another five or six years. 
Jacob getting more and more, and then he's going to realize it's time for him to leave. Now, let me show you something. Look at the start of the next chapter. We're not going to go into it. Look at the start of the next chapter. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's, and from what belonged to our father, he has made all his wealth. What are Laban's sons saying as these five or six years pass, and Jacob gets richer and richer and richer and richer, and Laban gets less and less and less? What do these sons say? He's taken away our stuff from our father. Now, why are they concerned? That's their inheritance. What they're seeing is their stuff dwindling, and Jacob's stuff getting bigger and bigger. They don't like that. Now look at verse 2. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. (laughs) It may have been friendly for many years, but it was what I call the tricky friendly, right? You know? So we're going to see that even when you, even when you trick, and even when you're the one looks like you're coming out on the good end, what's happened in this whole relationship? It's gone to nothing. The sons don't like Jacob. Laban doesn't like Jacob. And there's no telling what could happen. And we're going to see next week that Jacob says, I think it's time to get out of town. I think it's time to go on back. I don't think things are looking very good. And anything could happen at any time. In fact, they might even kill me. Keep, keep all my stuff. And so we're going to see that Jacob next week, next time, he's going to decide to go back and we'll see what happens. And once again, uh, he deceives Laban when he gets ready to leave. And even Rachel deceives Laban. There's some powerful stuff we're going to see in the next week or two. So Jacob's ready to go back. Laban wants him to stay. They come up with this deal that Jacob gets the rare animals, but he takes all the rare animals away. So what Jacob does is does all this deceit and everything. But God is the one doing the blessings. Let me give you some applications. And the first one is this. Let's remember that God is the one who provides. God is the one who provides. He's the one that gives us all we have. It is His grace. It is His mercy. We have to acknowledge that. We have to know that everything we have comes from God. It's not because our own abilities or our own smarts. God is the one, let me tell you, if, if you can be the smartest, sharpest, neatest person in the whole world, and if God decides that you're not going to have something, guess what? You're not going to have something. It doesn't matter how smart you think you are. And you can be dumb just like the rest of all of us, and God can give you everything in the world, and you can't look around and go, it's because of my great smarts I have this? No, it's the grace of God. Everything that we have is from God. Think about three things. A, or number one, uh, be content with what you have. Think about that. God is in control. He gives us what we need, and oftentimes He gives us what we want. Have you ever thought about that? He's promised to supply all your what? Your needs. That's not wants. I mean, there's a big difference between wants and needs. Now, sometimes we'll say, I need a new car. I need some new clothes. And, and, and those are really wants. You know, I want a new car. I want new clothes. But God always provides our needs. Most, a lot of times He provides our wants. I mean, that would most of us say, that, that in our lives, God provides a lot of our wants, not just our needs. Isn't he amazing? So be content with what we have. Contentment is not found in having everything, but being satisfied with everything that we have. And that's the bottom line. God is working in our lives according to his plan for us. So just be content and say, listen, whatever God has for me, I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to be faithful. Uh, you know that, that whole thing about materialism. We've talked about it many times. You can never be content with things. Things will never make, things never satisfy 
you get a brand new something, there's another brand new one two days later. And if you're looking at the things to satisfy and to be content, it'll never work. You have to be content in your fellowship and relationship with God and with others. And contentment doesn't come from things. And so be content with what you have and all of that. Second one is with others, deal honestly. I mean, think about it. We don't have to trick or scheme to get ahead in our relationships. We need to be honest with each other. We need to, we need to do what is right. Second uh, Corinthians 8.21 says, Be honest, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. That's what it says. So, be an honest person. Because first of all, you may think that this person, you, just, you trick this person, but God knows. You can never trick God. So, you know, the bottom line is deal honestly. And I love Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is good, whatever, you know, think on these things. Let's do what's right. Let God handle the results. And think about your relationships. Are you honest with people? The third thing is leave vengeance to the Lord. I mean, let's just leave it to Him. Sometimes people mistreat us. There's no doubt about it. Sometimes people hurt us. They do it on purpose. It's just an amazing thing that sometimes people do it on purpose, but leave vengeance to the Lord. You can always trust the fact that we don't have to get people back. You may think, and I talked about it this morning in my Sunday school class, that when you, if somebody does you wrong and you don't get them back, you could say, this person's going to get away with what they've done. They will not get away with what they've done. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. We're not the one to get them back. Uh, Never return evil with evil. Return evil with good. If you're going to do anything to somebody that does you wrong, do good to them. I mean, that's hard. I mean, we're not talking about something easy. We're talking about something really hard. But that's what he says to do. Leave vengeance to the Lord. Sometimes we get hung up on past events. We want to get somebody back. Just leave it to the Lord. So it is God who provides. So be content, deal honestly, and leave vengeance to the Lord. May we trust our God who provides all that we have. And may we be content, dealing honestly with others, and leaving the vengeance to God. There's a lot here. Let me pray. And then if you've got questions, comments, input, we'll do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord. As we look at this, we see that you never hide anything in the Scripture. That when, when, when you show a person's life, you show a person's life. And at this stage, we see that Jacob and Laban are both deceivers. And that Jacob, who is, 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 is a great man, really, uh, biblically speaking, that we think about how you used him and, and how he, he became the father of the twelve sons, which are the twelve tribes of Israel and all of those things. And, and yet, Lord, at this stage, he is a, he's a deceitful person. We've seen it all of his life. And yet you take him and use him. And Lord, in a sense, we feel so good about the fact that if you take him and use him for your glory, then we just ask you that you would take us and use us for your glory. We, we just want our lives to count for you. Lord, we remember that you are the one who provides. And so we, may we be content with what you give us because everything we have comes from you and that we just rest in what you have for us and trust you. Lord, we know that when we deal with people, Deal with them in an honest way and love them and, and do what is right, knowing that just trusting you. And then finally, Lord, sometimes things go wrong in our lives, and yet we don't get vengeance. We leave it to you. We trust you. We return evil with good, which is very hard, Lord, but that's what you tell us to do. May we do that. Thank you for these truths tonight, Lord. Help us as we continue to study seeing the life of Jacob. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, questions, comments, anything? Anything you want to say or bring up or talk about? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. The best that I could find before he went up in that way, he was 70-something years old. So he's an old man. 
It, he doesn't seem like an old man, does he? Let me let me double check. But I remember about two chapters ago, I had looked up to see everything I could find about how old we thought he was, and he was supposed to be in his seventies when he left. It, it does, you know, to be honest with you, it doesn't seem right that he's seventy. He doesn't act, he doesn't act seventy, does he? Uh, I don't think so. But anyway, it seems to be he's an old man. And it, you know, you think about it. It's not going to be till he comes back, and it's going to be just a couple of chapters. He's going to head back. It's not going to be till he comes back and he wrestles with God before he changes. And when he wrestles with God and God touches his hip and he holds on to God and he realizes the only way he could ever be blessed is God. And and from that point on, God changes his name to Israel and he trusts God from that point on. He's a different man after wrestling with God. And it's at the same place about Bethel about where he had the dream before he went there, and when he comes back, he has the wrestling match. Now, he's really a little bit worried because he knows his brother Esau is coming to see him with 400 men. Now, if you've been gone for 20 years and you're hoping that Esau wasn't mad anymore, and you come back and you hear that your brother's coming to meet you with 400 men, you probably figure he's still mad, right? Because the 400 men probably isn't a dancing party, right? I mean, you know, it's probably army is what he's thinking. And that's when he decides to get serious about life and what to do. And he wrestles with God, and God changes his God changes his whole life. And that's a great thing. So that's a great question. I think it, best I can tell, he's old. But let me let me see what I can find between now and next week to see if I can find anything that's going to give us any anything that's more concrete. What else? What else? Questions, comments, input? Yeah. About what? Oh, I don't know any more about it. I've looked up. All I can say is that there was belief by some at that time that when animals mated, if they mated and saw something like that, that it had an effect on on the on what they were going to produce. So he thought that I'm doing a I'm doing a trick deal. I'm going to make sure I got this lined up so whenever they mate, it'll come out that way. And he, I think he thinks he's right. I think he thinks it's happening. Oh, the weak with the weak, yeah, strong with yeah, he, yeah. It's it's sound for him. Yeah, you're right. That's right. But he's he's taking all he's taking Laban's stuff away. Really, is what he's doing. And of course, as we start chapter 31, the sons know it, and Laban knows it. As time goes by, five or six years go by, they're not stupid. They begin to realize, wait a minute, he's getting all the stuff. And and why is all, why are all my sheep so weak? Why are they so bad? What's the deal here? And you know, up to this point, Laban has said, everything you've done has done what? Blessed me. But the last four or five years, everything Jacob's done has not blessed him. That's why his attitude has changed toward Jacob, because it's not blessing him anymore. As long as Jacob was blessing him, he wanted Jacob to be around him, but now it's not working. And we're going to see what happens. Yeah, Stephen. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I see what you're saying. He asked when it's early in the chapter when it said that Jacob said that God has blessed you, Laban, because of me. Did he really mean that? Because later on it seems like he takes the credit. I think he really meant that. I think he thought, I recognize that God has already, God promised him, promised him at Bethel. That I'll go with you, I'll take care of you, and I'll bring you back. I think he thinks that God is doing this. 
Now, that doesn't change the fact that he still thinks, I'm going to trick and do this, because that's, that's just the pattern of his lifestyle, is to trick people. And so he thinks, I'm going to trick Laban, because what has Laban done to me? Laban's tricked me. You know, when you get two tricksters together, what you end up with is people just continually tricking one another. Because Laban tricked Jacob when he first came, so then Jacob's going to trick him back. Well, Laban's going to trick him back, and it's going to go back and forth, and that's what we see. It's a good thing they finally separated. No telling what would have happened. Continue. Yeah. You think you said you think it's easier to tell other people to trust God than than for our own selves to trust God. Is that what you're saying? I, well, yeah, it's always you know you know major surgery and minor surgery. Major surgery is when it's on you. Minor surgery when it's on somebody else. So it's real easier to say, oh, it's nothing, nothing. Oh, they do that all the time. You'll be fine. And then they say you got to have that surgery, and you go, oh, no, it's because this is a biggie, you know. So it's really easy to say, ah, oh, just trust God. You're gonna be okay. And then when it's you, you go, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You're right, exactly. Uh, it's always tough when it's when it's back on us to trust God, and that's why he, I think that's why he sends those things. So we have to trust him. Learn the fact that no matter what he says, he's going to take care of us one way or the other. Yeah. 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 Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, this it just says, it says it a little bit different way here. It says, I have divined, I think is what it says. Uh, let's see. 